Um, think about this. There's, there's two types of people in the world. There's the people who are Christians, born again of God's Spirit, living in life. And there's people who are without life. That's all. There are only two types of people. And uh, anyone without Christ and without a new birth experience and without being filled with the Holy Ghost cannot be a Christian. End of story. Now, the problem is, and it's the biggest problem of all, that uh, legalism comes in when a person believes to li begins to live by his choices. Because if you live by your choices, you won't live by God's. Uh, because the only way to live a Christian life is to do the will of God. And if you're doing the will of God, then there is no choice. Because if there was choice, then basically you would be God. And as you're not God, there's no choice. Because God doesn't give us choices. There's what is right and what is wrong. And it's suicide to go against God. So where's the choice? And if you believe in free will, I come to do thy will, O God. Did Jesus have a free will? Well, of course he didn't. Uh, because in the volume of it, the book it is written, it was already written and it was already determined by God. He, was, he went to Calvary by the predetermined counsel of God. Did he have choice? Was it choice to commit suicide? Is that choice? To live or to kill yourself? Is that choice? It's not really choice. If you know that you're going to go, you, I mean, for instance, could Jesus have broken fellowship with Father? I beg your pardon. Well, didn't he have the choice? Now, just a minute. You, you see, I mean, is there really choice? It's the old age-old problem, isn't it, really? I mean, if, if we were known in Christ, and we created in Christ unto good works, that God had foreordained that you should walk in them, and it's foreordained before you were born that you should walk in good works, and God foreordained them, have you choice? Yes and no. Yet... Yes, you say. Okay, well, Dr. Hayden will argue for the yeses, and I'll argue for the noes. Come on, Dr. Hayden. We're, we're, this is it. Okay, okay. Uh, right, now, now this is going to be a fair campaign. Don't you slouch off into your NIV. You stay in your authorised version. No. <laughs> we, we, now, choice, real choice. I, it, sometimes, you know, people need to think. And all I want you to do is think tonight about choice. Because one of the worst things, I think, is when people believe that you have choice.
because I don't think you do. Uh, then you have to define what you mean by choice. And when I define what I mean by choice, it then gives you nothing to choose from. Because if choice is basically cutting yourself off from God, or living according to God's will, a Christian doesn't have a choice if he wants to remain in God's life and power. If he doesn't want to remain in God's life and power, he has total choice. Interesting if, thought. If I have no choice, I'm not responsible for what I do. Ah, oh, but you are. No. Oh, yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Now that, that is taking Calvin and hyper-Calvinism to an extreme, as you well know. I said we're going to play fair here. But if you want to kick below the belt, I will. Uh, <laughs> because, because it says in Scripture, doesn't it, that we're not born of the will of man, nor of the will of flesh. We're born of God. Do we therefore have choice? Uh, yes, you've said yourself that after you are born again... Oh, no, 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 talking about birth. Don't go after. Birth. Oh, you are, whether we have a choice in accepting Christ or not? Yeah. No, no, not in accepting Christ. Um, oh, where does this choice come or not come? <laughs> right. We're going to get to the point. I like this. We're going to get to the point here. Okay. Um, you see, if we're not born of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, who are we born? Whose will is it? The will of God. Okay, so did we have choice? In our birth, our new birth. Now you're going to extreme Calvinism. <laughs> With the uh, no, I'm ir playing fair. Irresistible grace. Ir irresistible grace. Yes. Well, can you resist such wonderful grace? Not the way that he presents it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so there, there are two sides to this. Uh, there, there are two sides, okay. yes. Mm -hmm. And both in balance would be right. That's true. But if you present choice, you take it out of balance. <laughs> well, you're going to have to define what you mean by choice and also at what point that choice is effective. Choice is never the option of humans. Now you're talking about coming into new birth. Coming into new birth. Because after new no, birth... No, 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 you dodgy, you have choice. you're dodgy. So. You're dodging. Stick to where we're at. Come on, hold, hold it up. Stick to where we're at. Now, is there choice? 
No, not well, at now, that well, point. Can we have that in writing? <laughs> um, could you just sign just down here so we've got one thing where you no choice. Okay. Yes, at that point there is no choice. So a person who becomes part of the family of God doesn't do so by his choice. That's right. It's totally sovereign. That's right. But what about the fact that maybe he didn't repent? He would have to repent if you have the grace offered by God. Then his will would have been involved. Yes. But no, the Bible says it wasn't by the will of man. But the repentant has to be by man. God doesn't repent for can, us. We have to repent yeah, for ourselves. Yeah, but can you repent before birth? It's simultaneous. Ah. It's sim it takes place. At, I don't think that you can say one takes place before the other. Okay. I think it's simultaneous. So let me ask you a question. Is repentance something you do or something God gives you? Repentance is what I do. That's turning from my sin. So, and so when the Bible Christ. says that repentance is a gift of God, it's lying. No, I <laughs> like to see where it says that. Where it says that repentance yes. is a gift of God. It yes. is. It's the goodness of God that leads us. Leads us to repentance. Yes. But we but don't it do it ourselves, do we? Then who does? God does. He leads us to repentance. That is... That is sneaky. Yes, <laughs> sneaky. That's right. Because he leads us to repentance, but that doesn't mean he does the repenting for us. Oh, I didn't say he did. Then we but are doing the repenting. No, you can't do the repenting if God doesn't give you the gift of repentance. How is it possible for us to turn from our sins and to turn to Christ? Well, it is interesting to note, uh, according to Paul, who might have been right, but <laughs> possibly not, there is none that seeketh after God. No, not one. I agree. So, no one seeking after God. True. But when God offers his grace to me, and it is in such a fashion, it is so attractive. That it's irresistible. It is irresistible. I then turn from my sin. I turn to God, and new birth takes place with his But that's birth all an act of God, isn't it? The irresistible grace is irresistible an act of God. Irresistible grace. But I have to do the repenting. No, but basically, you don't really repent because... In, in essence, when the irresistible grace comes, it's impossible to resist the goodness of God. Well, yeah. That's what leads to repentance. Uh, yes, and so I repent. Yeah, but you haven't really, in a sense, done it yourself. You've, you've come to irresistible grace. I've come through irresistible grace, but I do the repenting. Okay, if you say you do the repenting, which means you turn around to go the other way. Mm -hmm. You can't do that till you're born. 
because you haven't the nature to do it. At the moment he offers that grace, you I still have no, no, no. You have yes. you have an unregenerate nature. Now here, here's where you've got to be careful, because this is a trap into which many souls unwittingly fall, and I would not wish to trap you. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> He knows me too well. <laughs> you put me off now. <laughs> when a man comes to irresistible grace, he cannot of his nature turn. Unless he's translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, there's nothing good in him. There's no ability in him to make that choice, which is why God sovereignly does it for us. So God does the repenting for us? No. God has to give us a new nature so that we can actually turn to Him. Then if we have the new nature, we don't need to repent. It's already taken care of. Ah, no, it's not. Because you can put on the old instead of putting on the new. No, we take off the old. No, but, but I mean, you can put it, what I'm saying is, with your new nature, you can choose to go back to your old lifestyle. True. Okay. Or you can put on the new. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the only place where there's any choice. Mm -hmm. After birth. But what if those take place at precisely the same moment? They can't, because until you have the new nature, you can't choose God's way. But can I have that new nature before I repent? I would say it's simultaneous. No, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot truly turn unless you have a new nature. You can't reject the world while you're of the world. Until you're born, you're born and your whole nature is one to sin. So the good that I would not, that I do, which is the old man and the old nature, now, until you're born again and you've been delivered, you have no choice. You, even when you want to do good, evil's present with you. So when that deliverance and new birth comes, then your will is set free. Mm -hmm. So at the new birth, I have been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. That is I, what the Bible teaches. I have eternal life. You have. At that point. So I don't need to repent. We've got to get that turning from sin, and I think that takes place the moment that the new life comes in. 
But the new life, that would mean that the will of man had something to do with it. But the scripture makes it very plain. It's not the will of man nor the will of the flesh. Well, that's true, but I think the repentance... No, 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 you haven't heard what I said. If the... Uh, if the catalyst of new birth is repentance, which is what I gather you're saying... No, no. Oh, no. No, no, I'm not saying that. Ah. I'm saying that when that grace of God is offered to me, it comes in such a form that I can't resist it. Irresistible. See but, but does that mean that God then has taken away your free will? No. Well, if it's irresistible, then you can't resist it. But I have... No, but if it is irresistible, your will cannot function against it. That is because he makes it so attractive, ah, I'll want so to do it. I see. But then, if it's irresistible and it's overcome your will... Okay. It has overcome your will. All right. Then how can you repent with your will overcome? I don't need to. Why not? Because he's so controlling my will, and I have now been born again, I don't need to repent. Oh no, just a minute. I don't believe that. But I'm asking you, I'm just looking at it as an objective question. If it's irresistible, grace. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can't resist God's love. Right. And it overwhelms you. Mm -hmm. Then your will ceases to function. It's not a matter of choice, is it? I think it is. But it is such a good offer but it's irresistible. That I will not resist. But then why is not everyone born again? Because not everyone has been offered that grace. Ah, so what you're saying now is that grace is selective. Uh, yes. So it's mm -hmm. not true that whomsoever wills may come. Uh, that's probably right. Mm -hmm. Is it? Well, if we are going to believe in irresistible grace no, in do you, Calvinism... Do you, no, if we are. No, but I mean, are you? Yes, I believe in irresistible grace. Okay. But another point of Calvinism is... Oh, no, no, no. Let Leave Calvin out, poor man. Oh. Let's look at the Bible. Oh, now where do you get the irresistible grace if you don't get it from Calvinism? Well, I got it from you. You just talked no. about it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mention it. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Calvin was a firm supporter of it. Yes, okay. but then why don't we call it prevenient grace? What grace? Prevenient. As uh, Wesley suggested. Because that word is too awkward in the English <laughs> language. <laughs> now, Wesley believed that uh, because of the nature of man, being corrupted as it was, that God offered this prevenient grace which offset his bad nature 
to the extent that he then can make a rational choice to come to Christ. But Wesley had a real problem with the fact of free will, didn't he? Yes, he did. Uh-huh. Yes, he was a He was Arminian, Arminian. extreme. Yes. Mm-hmm. So his big problem was he couldn't figure out how sovereignty worked. That's right. And in most people's lives, that's their problem. That's true. They don't understand how an omnipotent God, who's totally sovereign, could allow a devil mm-hmm. to do what he does. Yeah, but let me pose a question to you then. This okay. irresistible grace is available to everyone. I didn't say it was. Oh. I asked you whether it was. Oh, okay. So you are going to say limited as well? Uh, no. No, I'm going to say it's God's will that all men should be saved. But not all men are. Many are called and few are chosen. Mm-hmm. So it is only irresistible to a few. That is one of the mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> As you're well aware, (laughs) so am I. Uh, You can't argue one way or the other, to be honest. Or you can argue both ways. I mean, I can think of... Which I do. So do I. Yes. When I have a student who's an Arminian, I argue as a Calvinist. When I have one that's a Calvinist, I argue as an Arminian. But I couldn't be an Arminian. You could if God wanted you to. <laughs> but because God doesn't want anyone to be an Arminian, because, <laughs> because as you know, all error springs from the Arminian school, never from the Calvinist school. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> But if, if, if we were arguing uh, on the point of free will, really, if there is very selective choice and God chooses whom he will, yeah. whom he hardens, there's vessels to honor, vessels to mm-hmm. dishonor. What can a man do? How can a man be held responsible? Then Paul says, you know, can the vessel say? Mm-hmm the one who made it. Why hast thou made me thus? <coughs> so, where's free will? Yeah. Where's free will? Well, if there is no free will, there's no responsibility. But there's always responsibility. So I am responsible whether I have the ability to react properly or not. But Paul would argue that you don't have the ability to react until you're born. Who shall deliver me from the body of this Mm -hmm. death? Christ Jesus. Mm Up to that point, I have no choice because my will has been totally controlled. 
passieren. And at that point, then it is totally controlled by God. At which point? Uh, new birth. No, at new birth, your will set free. Once you're born, you're set free uh, to do the will of God. Mm. Now you have the ability not to. And you could do, not do the will of God, but because of the irresistible grace that took hold of your heart, mm -hmm. uh, to go back to death is not possible. It is possible. Uh, let me put it another way. It's possible, but um, it, you'd have to do violence with yourself. Uh -huh. No, uh, if it is irresistible grace and the person is born into the body of Christ, is there any possibility of that individual moving out of the body of Christ? He could move out of the benefits of the body of Christ. But never lose his salvation. If he's a son, he will always be a son. Mm -hmm. Even if he goes to a far country. Mm -hmm. So you still have eternal life no matter how you act after you have come to new birth. Yeah, Paul would put it that you'd be saved as by fire. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means. <laughs> if you'd like to explain that to everyone. <laughs> it doesn't seem a good option. No, it's not a good option. That's right. But it does say you'll be saved. Yeah. As by far. And, and I wonder if a person lives in that way, whether they ever were born in the first place. Well, they wouldn't be saved as by fire if they were not born, would they? Because then it would be uh, universal salvation mm -hmm. for all, mm -hmm. which it cannot be. Or are you suggesting so, that? Oh, no. No, I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> Thank no. God for that. That's heresy. <laughs> uh, so y you're, you're coming to the place where really you're saying that there is no free will. in essence, to re regarding salvation. Uh, regarding salvation. But there is total free will beyond salvation. That's true, yes. But there is no free will before salvation. That's right. So it's impossible to repent. I guess so. So nobody needs to. God commanded all men everywhere to repent. to repent. So the command of God gave with it the power to do so. And Paul tells the Philippian jailer, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yeah, but they were Jews. They were living under law. The Philippian jailer? Oh, not the Philippian jailer. No, I was thinking of Pentecost. Oh. Peter and all the Jews, Pentecost. He said, repent, believe, and be baptized, mm. every one of you, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Yes. So repentance was a prerequisite of new birth in that case. But he, Paul says this to the Philippian jailer. He does too. Yeah.
So he must be able to repent. So we're right back where we started from. <laughs> we are. But for a person out there who's wondering whether they're born or not, what could they do to bring birth about? Well, if it is based on the grace of God, it doesn't look like they could do anything. But well, just uh, listen surely, to the word. Surely it is based on the, I mean, it's not if, is it? No, it, it is based on the irresistible grace of God. Okay, go on. I guess they just sit there until it overwhelms them. <laughs> Do you believe that? Yes. So basically, you're born again in the incorruptible word of God. That's right. So the only per thing a man can do is sit, sit under the sound of the gospel. That's right. Till God chooses to birth him. That's right. Supposing he really desires to be born. Ah, oh, but you said he won't. Supposing he does, in his heart, feel that's what he wants. In what state is he if he were to die in that state? Only God knows. Only God knows. Yes. Okay. Yes. But if you're not born, you're outside the family of God. True. Might he not then end up as one of the wise virgins outside, awaiting the bridegroom's return? Well, fortunately, that decision is God's and not ours. He knows when that takes place. Yeah, but what I'm asking you very clearly, I'm just trying to get you to answer me without dodging the issue. Because <laughs> you're being sneaky now. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> it's a sneaky question really that shouldn't be asked. But uh, because I'm sneaky, I'll ask it. Um, if a man comes into the church and he says, I, I, I really want to be born again. And he's made a decision for Christ. But you've said that he won't unless the Spirit draws him. No, I said he can't be born unless he's born from and above. And he would have no desire for Christ. No, there's people who have desire for Christ. Simeon came and he went when Peter was and he watched the miracles that were happening and he had a desire to lay hold of the things that Peter had. And I guess Simeon then was born again? No. No, but the motive is paramount. In other words, you can come wanting God for the wrong reason. Oh, yes. Yes, I, I believe that. And the motive, therefore. But I, I don't really see that as seeking God. Well, he would say, but it was seeking God. It was seeking God's power, wasn't it? Well, he's seeking something that God has. But don't, doesn't everyone who comes to church really come on that basis? They seek healing. They seek help in their lives. 
they seek restoration, they seek something, they, 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 there's some disaster happen. So they come to a place where God is really seeking for something rather than seeking God. Uh, that could be, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that always is, mm -hmm. isn't it? I mean, the multitudes that came to Jesus were coming for healing, they were coming for bread, they were coming mm -hmm. for food, they yes. were coming. Jesus said, Your motive is the thing that counts. Mm -hmm. You only come because of the loaves and fishes, mm -hmm. you come for the miracles. Now, everyone who's come to church comes for wrong reason. Because until the word of God gets in them and God births them, their nature is evil. Mm -hmm. And there's none that seeketh after him. But it doesn't mean they won't seek after what he does. Yes, that's right. I'll agree with that. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of people in coming to church or coming to God would come with an ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. So their, their repentance could be to gain from God what they want rather than to really see the depravity of their own soul. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. So, the reckoning that a, you're under a schoolmaster when you're young, and Wesley's teaching, Whitfield's teaching, and the Puritans that you must have a law work before you can live in grace would be right. Because you can't know sin, how can you repent of something you know not? Now, if you're talking about the way in which Paul uses that as the law was merely a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. No, I'm talking of um, how, how did I know sin but by the law. Oh, okay. Okay? Yeah. And the law is the schoolmaster mm -hmm. that yes. brings us to Christ. Mm -hmm. But in essence, wouldn't you say that the majority of people never realize the depravity in their natures until after they've had a real encounter with God? Oh, yes. Yes. So they didn't really repent. For they knew not what to repent of, for they had no knowledge of sin. Well, if it is forsaking the past life and turning to Christ, they but, couldn't be couldn't but, do that. That that is not repentance. Repentance is turning from sin to God. Yes. Your past life. Yes. Uh, can okay. Embrace many yes. Things. It's turning from your sin to God. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know what sin is. If you take the average person in society today, he wouldn't know what sin was. So if he walked into a church and you asked him to repent of his sin, he wouldn't know what you meant. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if you offer him free grace, and it's irresistible, and he makes a decision, how can he have repented? I guess he didn't. And doesn't need to. Ah. I'm just asking the question. Because he wouldn't know sin without the law. Mm -hmm. And as he's lived in a lawless society, how would he know? Uh, he really doesn't know until he meets Christ. Okay. Now when he's met Christ and he's truly born from above and he's got a new nature, might he not then discover what a sinful nature was? Oh, yes. Uh -huh. And because he hadn't repented of it, might he not then end up in Romans 7? But uh, he has to repent of it. But, yeah, but he couldn't repent of it. till he, You can't return from something you don't know. You can't be held responsible for that which you don't know. Wouldn't the irresistible grace of Christ bring with it such a conviction that he would know what his life was and what he had been doing, the sin that he had been living? No. When irresistible grace comes, man responds because it's irresistible. Mm -hmm. But in truth, when he's born, he doesn't realize the depravity of his soul until it's revealed by God's Spirit. So you're saying repentance then comes after conversion? Very often. But if he has been born again, washed clean by the yeah. blood of Christ, then why is there any necessity to repent? Because he doesn't appreciate how alien his lifestyle is from God. And it will take him time and God's spirit time to reveal to him and the word of God time to work in him to show him his need to change those things in his life. Oh, so now you're talking about... Uh, <laughs> Shall I say it? <laughs> the old nature. The old nature. No, what I'm saying is, instead he didn't know to put off the old and put on mm -hmm. the new. He didn't know to put to death his members were, were upon the mm -hmm. earth. So he lived in ignorance in his old lifestyle and it took time for God to show him that that was alien to God's mm -hmm. way. So then he needs to uh, repent. Repent. He doesn't need to put on the new nature. But to Take put off, off the, the old, old is repenting. And putting on the new is repenting. It's not a, a, an attitude of just putting on, isn't it? It's an attitude of walking in it. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're turning away from what you did do, your former lifestyle, and you're living in newness of life and walking in newness of mm -hmm. life. So there's a choice, isn't there? Now, what does Paul mean then when he says, repent and be baptized? Exactly that.
the jailer had already received new birth, and Paul now tells him, now repent. No, I didn't say that. You said that. No, I'm just putting out a supposition. Uh -huh. I'm just saying that if you take the majority of people here that came into the church, walked into the church, a lot of them came with lots of ulterior motives. Okay. Now, God in his mercy and grace reaches into their life, but they don't really understand what they need to repent of. I, I still have problems trouble then with what uh, Paul tells to the jailer. But you can't take one instant historically written down to make a doctrine. Uh, but the jailer asked a question, what do I have to do to be saved? That's correct. But he was looking at Paul, he saw the, the tremendous power of God, he realized that these were men of the living God, and he said, look, I'm." I, you know, what I've done is wrong. I beat you. There was no cause to beat you. What can I do to be saved? But I don't think he understood his sin. I don't think he understood his nature and depravity. But he repented of what he'd done, mm -hmm. his action then. And then I think it took time, and it takes time with an individual to learn that his lifestyle has to be transformed. Mm -hmm. And that's what the renewing of the mind's all about. That's what mm -hmm. the Holy Ghost comes to do. He comes to change our mind and our lifestyle. And I think many people think they're not born again because they don't understand God's intervened, God's done a real thing mm -hmm. in their life. But because of ignorance, they don't really repent because they don't understand what to repent of because they've never had the law work in their mm -hmm. lives. So when they come to a church, hearing the word of God and amending their lives they basically are doing it from a they're doing it from a point of coming to true repentance mm -hmm. so any revival is not necessarily bringing a person to birth but it's making people more acutely aware of God's demands on their life and therefore they leaving what they were doing and walking God's way mm -hmm. and people call that a revival and you speak about that process as uh, repentance. Walking or, in the Spirit. Yeah. Okay. Nothing to do with sanctification. Because that is a person, not a process. With one definition, yes. Yeah, that's my definition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we uh, disagree on our terminology. terminology. But we agree the, on the process. On the process, yes. Uh, we disagree because... Jesus is our sanctification. Yes. Holiness is a person, mm -hmm. not a lifestyle. Otherwise, you come under law, mm. not under grace. No, no, no. It's, it's walking in the Spirit. No, but if you try and fulfill something and live up to a standard, you're living under law. Uh -huh. But if I'm putting off the old and I'm putting on the new, there's something I'm doing. No, it's what the Holy Ghost does. Because you can't walk in the newness of life if the Holy Ghost doesn't birth it in you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not renewed by the Holy Ghost, as he says to Titus, then there's no way. It's the washing of regeneration and, you know, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, isn't But it? again, there is some aspect of it that involves me. Yeah. 
your willingness to comply mm -hmm. to God's will. Mm -hmm. Which is irresistible grace, so you can't help it. <laughs> ah, but you say after birth, then you have freedom to operate your will. Yes, to choose God's way. So the But before then you couldn't choose God's way. Putting off the old is my choice to do God's will. Putting on the new is my choice to do God's will. No, the putting off of the old is conviction of the Holy Ghost and the pulling down of the strongholds of Satan in the mind, which the Holy Spirit does. Uh, the renewing of your mind is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the fruit of your life is the new life that you live. And the putting on of the new is merely allowing the work of the Spirit in your life, rather than quenching the Spirit. But it looks like then that, again, it is the Spirit that does all of that. He does. And the rapidity with which I walk in the Spirit is up to the Spirit and not me. That is true. Then again, I'm not responsible. Oh, you are. You're responsible to abide. <coughs> if you abide in Christ and keep his commandments, and his commandment is that you love one another. Mm -hmm. That I still have trouble with putting off the old and putting on the new and Why? adding to my faith goodness and to goodness perseverance and that yeah. sounds like things that I need to work at. No, because if you work at it, it's salvation by works. No, but it has nothing to do with salvation. Aha. Uh -huh. See, I'm already born again. Then what does it mean? It's, it's uh, it's not of him that willeth. <laughs> ah, but you say that after the birth, then I have a free will to do that, God's will. To do God's will or not to do God's will. No, and, I, I didn't say that. I, you have a free will to do God's will for the first time in your life. All right. You've always had a will not to do it. So my will is to put on the new and to put on no, the no, old. No, 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 no. When you're born, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of it. That end of the story. End. end of story. So I am completely sanctified because Christ is no, in my, me. No, Christ is my sanctification. Yes. And so I've... Christ is my righteousness. I have arrived. You have arrived at new birth. So there's nothing else. Oh no, you have to grow. Oh, you're well what is that growing? You desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Then that's my desire. No, it's put in there by God. <laughs> As you well know, if you go back to the Greek, don't be cheeky, you know the Greek. Uh, you know full well that that desire, a babe desires, has hunger. Uh -huh. It's a natural process. Mm -hmm. Desiring the sincere milk of the word is a natural process when you're a babe in Christ, that you may grow thereby. So you automatically grow only by the word of God, no other way. Mm -hmm. But growth is not sanctification, it's growth. Mm -hmm. Fruit is a natural of a, um, experience of abundance of life. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if that's the case. That is the case. All right. It is the case. Okay. Now, why haven't all of these people then all of the fruit of the Spirit? Because fruit appears after a period of time. It takes seven years for a, a tree once planted mm. to bear fruit. These, some of these people have been here for seven years. Uh, a lot of them bear fruit. But then there are seasons, winter, summer, spring. And some grow faster than others and no, produce but fruit, fruit, fruit faster than others? No. I believe in nature, in the spirit, there, there's a law. That's why I said don't promote a novice lest he be taken in the snare of the devil. Because there's no doubt about it, fruit takes time. You agree with that? Oh yes, that fruit takes time. Uh, but, but fruit is not sanctification. All right, I'll grant that. Uh, but uh, it looks like there are some people that grow faster than other people grow. Yeah. But and he, if it's he explained, all the work of the Spirit. No, but he explains that very clearly in Scripture that if you fall on stony ground, you can spring up quickly. Now, everybody here has been planted in the good soil. They're Not hearing the word. Not necessarily, because when the seed goes in, it can fall on all different types of soil. And I believe that people's soil can change over a period of time until they come to honesty and truth. That's when they'll produce 30, 60, 100 fold. But before that time, if the ground isn't, isn't well prepared, then I believe that the word can either be plucked out by the devil, spring up, and trials and temptations come, and, and it doesn't bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Now, where do the trials and temptations come? In the world. When the individual has now been made a child of God and his will controls the person. No. What I'm saying is that when the, when the word of God comes, there are different soils. So sometimes you can get it appearing as though mm -hmm. someone's growing quickly and they'll bear fruit, but it, they don't bring any fruit to fruition. Mm -hmm. They, they seem to spring up quickly and they die away because there's no depth of soil. That's what the scripture teaches. But aren't all of these people born of the word of God? And no, we not, in, not in the sense of fruit bearing. And if you don't bear fruit, you can be a branch and cut off and cast into the fire. But there's no doubt they're now, a branch. How does that happen? The father's the husbandman, and he does it. Yeah. Nothing that I do, it's, it's what he does. Well, he's the husbandman, he tends the vine. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, it isn't my responsibility, it's his. The, the fruit bearing is not your responsibility in essence at all. It can't be, because it's fruit of the spirit, not fruit of you. Mm -hmm. not fruit of your actions it's the fruit of the spirit so it's a natural product of your life mm -hmm. when you abide in Christ mm 
So if I'm not bearing fruit, it's because the husbandman has not done what he wants with me. No, I said you have to abide in Christ. Well, I, I abide in Christ, okay. No, but he no, might cut no, me but, off. But, but he made it very plain. If you abide in Christ and you, you keep his commandments, you'll bear much fruit. And mm -hmm. that's how the fathers glorify it. Mm -hmm. But you see, if you don't bear fruit, it's because you've stopped abiding. So there is something I have to do then, and that's abide. Yeah. But if you abide, it's not something of demand, it's something of nature. Mm -hmm. Then I still can't help myself. It's my nature now to abide, so I will abide. No, you can help yourself. You can choose not to. So it isn't quite irresistible. What is not irresistible? God's grace. God's grace is irresistible to new birth. Otherwise no one would get born. No man can come to Jesus except the Father draw him. It's irresistible grace that brings you into life. But beyond that, um, there is a responsibility on the individual. Uh, that's what I was waiting for. A responsibility on the individual. Yeah. Which you haven't wanted to admit. You did. You didn't ask. <laughs> no, you kept evading the issue. No, no, I merely, I merely used elegant footwork <laughs> to skirt round. <laughs> because the responsibility of the individual is always to abide, uh -huh. but he can't abide now unto him who's able to keep you from falling. Mm -hmm. if, if God doesn't keep a man, no one can remain no one can stand Agreed. Mm -hmm. therefore it's not up to man's ability it's up to God's keeping power mm -hmm. but I do have a responsibility to abide you have a responsibility to abide but without God's keeping you won't mm -hmm. so you're really wanting to retract on that responsibility. No, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to abide. Mm -hmm. But without God's keeping, you cannot. Mm -hmm. He causes us to will and to do of his good yes, pleasure. Right. Yes. Okay, he causes okay. us. So the causation is always, or take uh, Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27, a new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Uh, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. Mm -hmm. Now that is what God causes. The causation of our life has to be the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. uh, renewed in the spirit of your mind is what the Holy Spirit does in my mind. Strongholds of Satan are pulled down by the Holy Ghost. So it's, it's God's work in us. Mm -hmm. 
but I have a responsibility to allow God allow to work. Allow to do it, yes. And not to rebel against mm -hmm. him, because I can choose to rebel against him. But if I do that, I cut myself off from the life of mm -hmm. God. I will agree. So there's both sides of it. Yes. And really, responsibility is minimal. So compared to what he does, certainly. Mm -hmm. Compared to what he does. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and one cannot say, let's take uh, an example. Carolyn, come here. Okay. Now, you know, I'm getting my lawyer up now. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I realize. But um, you see, Carolyn went to church, but didn't really understand anything. And she can put it from a perspective of a religious person, which I cannot do. Uh, but she can. And there came a day when God sovereignly met her. And that sovereign meeting transformed. Now everyone here has to face the fact that that is the way it is. Either it's like me, God intervened sovereignly when I was in sin, or it's like Carolyn, God intervened sovereignly when she was in religion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Responsibility. Well, I can only tell you what, what happened to me. I knew I needed to be saved. And I tried my best to be saved. I tried, in meetings, I responded, I went forward. I tried to make a decision. Uh, well, I did make a decision. I made a decision. And within a very short period of time, it became quite clear to me that my decision hadn't worked. Now, I knew there was something missing. I did everything that I was told to do, but it didn't work. Um, and I, I didn't, no, but no one else in, in my kind of church environment knew any different, I would say. Because nobody else seemed to be able to present the gospel in a way which it, it became real enough to change me. It was real enough to um, challenge me in the sense that I knew there was something wrong, but it was not real enough to cha change me. The word didn't come with power. Can't have done when I look back, because otherwise it would have changed me. Um, but, but her will... Uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> But her will. <laughs> My will was trying. But her will. Um, but her will. Can you turn this down? Thank you. But her will was to repent, but it didn't work. I was a bit like Esau. I sought the place of repentance and I didn't find it. Now, can you explain that? With his irresistible grace? No. No, you have to hold the microphone up so everyone can hear this <laughs> statement. <laughs> he holds it down. No, I can't. Oh. <laughs> so we have, we have then kind of a, a, a threefold problem, don't we? Here's someone who tries, does everything she can and cannot. Yeah, she Hit. didn't try hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> that was a prime example 
of what's called a hypocrite. <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? Well, that's my favorite uh, method. Of what? Irony. I enjoy irony, so. You enjoy ironing? Yes. <laughs> not, not shirts, but people. Irony. Oh, I thought you said ironing. <laughs> Your irony. Uh, okay, so here's a problem that we're faced with. I didn't try and seek God. He met me sovereignly, spoke to me. Carolyn sought him diligently and couldn't find him. I don't think I did. Hold her. I, I, I don't think I did seek him diligently. I think in all of it he was seeking me. But if he was seeking you and it was irresistible grace, why on earth weren't you born? Because there was only one moment in time when that grace became irresistible. Oh, we have a new element. <laughs> and what is this? Irresistible grace is sometimes resistible. No. No. Irresistible grace. Oh. There, is a, there is a time for man to be born. Mm -hmm. And to be born again is in God's time. Therefore, the irresistible grace only functions at a particular time. So then one would ask, if irresistible grace only functions at a certain time, if someone misses that moment, are they lost for all eternity? Not they, if it's irresistible. No, they cannot be, can they? That's right. Then why does God work in such a way? He enjoys working the way he does. But then why? How could he find fault with Carolyn for all those years? Did he? I think he jolly well did. <laughs> <laughs> did he find fault with her? She came to salvation. Yeah, and uh, but as that a wasn't, result of that... That wasn't faultless. But when she found Christ, it meant so much more to her than what she had attempted before. So he was pouring out his love and blessing on her. But for someone sitting in the pew, someone sitting on the seat, many people have tried to respond. Hmm. Many people have tried to make decisions, as Carolyn tried. Uh, and and they, they couldn't. Then there came a moment in time when irresistible grace became irresistible and God moved into their lives. Now, that is a sovereign work of God. Not dependent on, on, on repentance. Go on. Was it? No. Not dependent on, on a realization of what was wrong? No, not an understanding of what was wrong. I would have said I was saved. I would have said I was, a, I was born again. At, at the, that's, I knew there was something missing because what I had didn't match up with what I read in the Bible. But I would have said I was, I was saved. In fact, it was quite a shock to find out it wasn't. <laughs> 
Okay, so where was she? I guess where God wanted her to be, because he's sovereign. That is very... I think I was up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> but for someone who's sitting here and saying, well, that's where I am, what can they do? Just keep listening, just keep reading. Keep coming. Keep coming. Until God sovereignly Until meets God them. Meets them. Mm -hmm. But is there a guarantee that he'll meet everyone? Everyone who seeks him, yes. But there's none that seeketh after God. Would it not be better to say is the reason they come and the reason they're looking is because God's drawing them? Yes. Mm -hmm. That would be a better, yes. so it's uh -huh. God, God who's God's got drawing. them here. And the thing that makes them desire is God's drawing power. Yes. And there'll come a time when God will encounter them and really meet them. And there'll come a day at moment of birth, right. which they will know. Yes. And it will be a very definite experience of God. But they can't bring that about by any spiritual action. It's a sovereign action of God. So really, free will has little to play. In the salvation process, yes. So if they keep coming and keep availing themselves of the place where grace is, irresistible grace will one day strike them. That's right. Because God will never reject any man who comes. That's right. Because they come by his drawing. And therefore, there's in the sovereignty of God, there's a certainty and assurance, isn't there? There is. Mm -hmm. Which gives you confidence which no Arminian could have. That's right. Which is why Arminianism is totally alien to scripture. Oh, I wouldn't say that. It's just that they view it from, in, they start from a different premise. Yeah. But I wouldn't rule them out. Just they put emphasis on different scriptures. But in the end, they don't get in. It you, is cannot, you cannot be a Christian without believing in the sovereignty of God. Oh, yes. Yes, you can. I, I just wanted to take the time to ask questions. Uh, and get you thinking. Uh, if you want to know what I think, I think that God is totally sovereign, as does Dr. Hayden. I also believe in free will. I also believe in irresistible grace. Uh, I also believe in the fact that there's a time appointed for everyone to be born from above, and you can't really govern it as an individual, and yet you have a tremendous responsibility to take hold of the means of grace and the opportunities of grace, uh, and if you fail to do that and avail yourself of the means of grace, then you'll never develop in God. And also, once you're born, if you don't read the Word of God and get the Word of God in you, you'll never grow. Mm -hmm. And so there's tremendous responsibilities on the individual and demands by God. 
but in the end, salvations of God. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And there has to be, uh, I, I, I don't believe there's anyone who is truly born who doesn't know it's God who did it. I want to ask, how many people here can say that they understand and could identify with things that have been said tonight? You can understand it. How many of you are beginning to put together some things, help you to put it together tonight? Put up your hand if it helped put it together. You're beginning to see, hey, well, that's what church is for. Sometimes you preach, sometimes you just talk, sometimes you discuss, but the real thing is to use any method to bring light to your mind and to your heart so you can understand what's going on. And I just thought, I was sitting there and I suddenly thought, I need to do that, and that's why I've done what I wasn't expecting to do tonight. Uh, I was going on with the fruit of the Spirit, but I just felt some of you needed to hear how it works. And um, hear question and answers, and I'm not trying to confuse you, I was trying to confuse Dr. Hayden, of course, because um, <laughs> uh, with questions, so that he would then think of the answer. And he was trying to confuse me as well and succeeded. So now I'm not sure what I really believe. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, it's important though to get with people. And one of the things that uh, in Malachi, they often talked of the things of God. And it's so important that you don't just come to church and not relate, discuss, that's what the Bible college is about. But you need to discuss, you need to think, you need to get your brain working. God gave you reason. And if you ignore the opportunities, you don't grow. You grow by learning. And your mind's transformed by the word of God. It's not transformed by some magic. It's, you have to diligently seek. And it's so important for all of you to understand that you need to take advantage of what's available. God intends us to be thinking people, rational people. We've got to have a, a, an answer for the hope that's in us. That's what the Bible school's about. Take advantage of the courses that are coming up. Realize that um, it's good to sit with people and talk and think and reason and challenge. Nothing wrong with it as long as you end up with a book because right. this is the only touchstone so don't talk with people that don't know this book because you'll end up in a mess okay okay